0: Hello there, WellPod listeners. Today's episode contains references to drugs and strong language again. And just like last time, you'll be hearing a lot of weird noises. Again, all intentional. Climbing up, up,
1: up, up, up from the well. You can't keep me down. Well, maybe you can. It's not like you tried and acted like the big man. Jumping off the seesaw, got your hand in the breath. look at your boys in the lift room, I've got my eyes on the cat, my own bride, hee-haw, in a nice hotel. I've got my back to the wet brick, I'm climbing up the well, climbing up from the well, climbing up from the well, I'm climbing up. From the well. I'm climbing up.
0: the Well. I'm Brandon Edgins, and Anson isn't here. But from what I've managed to glean from his Instagram, he, like, went to a Star Trek convention or something. Anyway, on with the episode. First of all, Lou did not write that opening song for us. He just happened to have a song called Up From the Well, so I used it. This is the third and final installment of our Lou Barlow trilogy, I could do more, but you're probably ready to move on. So far, we've covered Lou's history, his motivations, his regrets. Lou can seem kind of down sometimes. I mean, I was always really
2: kind of insulted when people were like, you're so sad, and you're, you're and I'm like, it's not. No, there's, I swear, you know, like every, I mean, not everyone, there's certainly, there's a few songs I've written that are definitely
0: real bombers. Which is why some, not me, have called him the godfather of emo, But in this episode, I intend to prove that that title does not fit. Would a morose and navel gazing emo kid write something like this? You fell down the stairs?
1: You will not know, understand, you not know, understand. This is Mr. Beaver. How are you? Me? I'm just cousin Beaver. Yeah. You don't can easily in that mouth. Me? Am I done? Well, you're going to be a little bit dumber, too, when the police get <laughs>
0: That's an old recording featuring some prank phone calls Lou used to do as a kid. But he hasn't lost that sense of playful mischief. And it was that, that mischief, that playfulness, was the first thing I noticed about his music when I heard it back in 1990. You know, for example, that he would, in a moment of self-deluded grandeur, write a song about what it feels like to be a genius.
1: Rest now, Mr. Genius Eyes, your work has all been done. Speak in special riddles Standing Pointing
0: at the sun behind you There is no And then follow that you. With some bleeding heart poetry
1: I should be freed to be what I am As you should have what you need But if you see what you need in me Then you can't have what you need It's not fair to expect that from me
0: And then seemed to comment on all of this by mechanically retarding the sound of his own voice, looping the words, I'm a genius. You see,
1: but that's not what I am.
0: I'm
1: a genius. I'm
0: a genius. I'm a genius. I'm a genius. I'm a genius. I'm a genius. Yeah, Lou is pretty self-aware. This playfulness is at the center of today's episode because I don't think it's been given enough attention here on The Well. Creativity is rooted in playfulness, and it can take so many forms. Lou has gone on to create music in many different styles. Some of it sounds downright poppy and traditional, but today... I'm focusing on a lot of Lou's earliest recordings when he was in his bedroom and playing uh, with himself.
1: I feel good inside about me. I feel good inside about me. I feel good, good, yeah. I feel good inside.
2: I would sit and I'd write songs on my four track and record them and then I would just get absolutely baked and listen back to what I had done and it was so entertaining you know it was just like this it was like the it became kind of like the the next level of masturbation you know (laughs) it was so gratifying.
0: Playfulness means experimentation. It means sometimes indulging yourself. And a lot of these early home recordings were full of very avant-garde tape-cut-up stuff. The academics would call it music concrete. Now I don't know, and I forgot to ask him, if Lou ever listened to Edgar Varese or Pierre Schaeffer, but he was surfing the same wave creating aggressive soundscapes and encouraging happy accidents just to see what would happen no i
1: people are upset
0: Even his approach to recording more traditional music carries that experimental spirit. Necessity is the mother of invention, and starting out, he didn't have proper recording equipment, so he used what was available. Commercial tape recorders and a contact microphone from Radio Shack taped to his acoustic guitar and then purposefully overloading the signal through a home stereo system just to see what would happen. And what happened was this distinct, resonant kind of distortion you could never get, still can't get, from a fancy guitar amp or expensive pedal.
2: Speaking of the experimental side of what I did, I mean when I did really start writing songs on I started writing songs on like a four string You know on a ukulele basically A baritone ukulele And then I would take guitars and Modify the strings to to a four string tuning And and I had these ideas of like this lower This lower, deeper um, Sort of rhythmic strumming based folk music You know interspersed with like this tape experiments And this kind of like And I do wish I had just
0: kept doing that. (laughs) You know what I mean? This sound is signature, Lou Barlow. Now, listen to the sustained tone in this song. Hear it? What you're hearing is an artifact from the recording process itself, carefully engineered into the recording by the reinforcement of sound by the synchronous vibration of a neighboring object in this case the stereo speakers are causing the guitar strings to vibrate and then feed that vibration back into the microphone and it repeats and it repeats and it repeats it's called resonance and it's a beautiful sound And those lyrics, don't worry if you can't understand what he's saying. These are words Lou made up simply so he could have a melody to sing. There are no rules. Sometimes being creative means being your own audience and going wherever your curiosity leads you, because curiosity itself is play. Exploring the perimeter of your environment is part of this. Your duty as an artist and the fun of being an artist is building a huge mental library of sights and sounds Lou was a voracious collector of music, and it's one of the reasons why he can create music in so many different styles. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like trying to just express, make
2: music that expresses my tastes, I guess.
0: And you have a lot of taste,
2: sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, got, I got tons of taste. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's like I—I'm not one to really have guilty favorites, you know, and I'm not. I absolutely you know one thing that really got me into punk rock was the the total disregard for musicianship and what came before you know that idea of like cleaning clearing the but at the same time and I, I like that idea because i think that was a very it was a really good time for that idea like in the ni- early 1980s you know it was a really good time for that you know kind of attitude and, and really giving especially for like young people to be like look you don't have to be You know, the record you make does not have to sound like Roundabout by Yes. And you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to. Because at that point, it's like rock music anyway had become very intricate, really. And I just really thought that was very off-putting to me. So making it simple and that was something that was really, that empowered me, you know, so. But at the same time, you know, like, you know, I grew up in the 70s and loved, I would sit and listen to the top 40 every every saturday with my friend and we'd listen to the entire countdown and uh buy 7 inches all the time and then you know discover the beatles and then and then uh you know into the 80s just rediscovering classic rock you know i had never really listened to led zeppelin and black sabbath and at the same time i was discovering the velvet underground at the same time i was the fugs you know or anything captain Beefheart anything that was like I was reading
0: and listening. Well, for some people, that punk thing became like, for you, it became uh, a philosophy. Yeah. But for some people, it became dogmatic. You know, it became like, well, that's not punk. Yeah. You can't do that either, right? You know, I mean, that's,
2: we, I mean, that was kind of the cool thing also, you know, with Jay, is that we really, we did definitely, we were totally on the same page as far as, all right, done with that. That's stupid. You know, let's listen to the Dream Syndicate now let's listen to how dare you let's listen to rem let's listen to you know like let's let's embrace other stuff let's actually <laughs> let's do something interesting you know because that that brief that sort of initial flare of you know underground hardcore was it was great but you know a lot of the people out of that are they became that became like the real uh foundation for like speed metal and stuff and for and that, those are a real. That's a real. Those people are pretty determined, pretty stubborn group of people as well.
0: We 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 couldn't record on the audio the eye roll that pre- <laughs> that preceded those people are.
2: Uh. I don't know. I mean, I love I love heavy metal and I love speed metal and all that stuff, but
0: you pointed out something in another interview that uh, I mean, I am a I am a huge Metallica fan. I'm, and you said something that almost ruined it for me. Damn you. What the the nerdiness? Of
2: oh it. yeah, and that was the, the
0: <laughs> yeah. But you are right, you know. <laughs> oh, I
2: I stand by that. I look to this day. I am like those those are people that barely play their instrument, other than the drummers. I mean, the drummer drummers are obviously it's an incredibly physical thing to do. But when I I had a friend who got really I had we had the split in high school, and I had a friend named Wayne. Who really got into Metallica? You know, at the same time I was getting into the birthday party. You know what I mean? Like, so that's the, you either went. It's like one or the other. And so, but he when he would play, we actually had a little band together. And when he played, he just barely moved the pick on his it. like barely, and he was just and his guitar was like, oh, he you know he's wiping it down and putting it into the case and then play. And I'm like, what heavy metal? It's like the most. God, it's the most nitpicky fucking uptight musical form. I was like, this is crazy. Where's the, you know, where's the physicality? Where's the, like, just the raw, you know? Because, I mean, but it it has that pretense of having all of that, but it has none. Or not none. I can't say that, but it, I mean, there's certainly exceptions to that, but in general, yeah, Metallica were a bunch of nerds it seems (laughs) like. it's like other than Cliff I mean he was cool but then he died so
0: yeah they're all kind of precision freaks
2: they're precision yeah and like real just and I guess yeah I'm not I'm not a precision guy <laughs>
1: Already works in reverse It's got a rhythm that's all its own But it'll get much, much worse You ride a hearse
2: But it's also that idea that you can do something the right way.
0: <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> That's the right way. You know, and then I just chafe against that so bad. I'm like, the right way? Mm-hmm. Like, what? And even people who are really into pop music, you know, into this perfection of pop music, you know. You know, and then they, they aspire to this, you know, the 60s ideals. I'm like, so much of the 60s was, happened because of, like, chance. And it's a textural thing as well. It's like, and it's, it has everything to do with the texture and the, and the context of that particular time. It had nothing to do with these people. Like, you know, this precision, I don't, I don't think that had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Phil Spector, I'm like, for as incredible those, as those recordings are and how they're referenced as being absolutely perfect. One of the things that makes them so perfect is the lack of precision. You know, it's the, you know, yeah, those in between spots, the misses, the that's kind of where the magic is, right? I mean, like, right? Am I crazy? <laughs> like, the point you don't take a. I mean, Black Sabbath. I mean, amazing band, but again, precision, mm-hmm. not really. You know, <laughs> it's not really. It actually has a lot. I mean, it's you know, I mean, they but you know, people manage to take things like Black Sabbath and absolutely completely drain the blood from it Mm -hmm. and and speed it up and and create these like little nerdy little warscapes you know and it gets hilarious you know just (laughs) this is a song about being trapped in a coffin (laughs) (laughs) okay <laughs> like, like that, like that just sounds like the s- most, the smallest, nerdiest thing you could think about. It doesn't sound scary and big and like challenging. It sounds pretty
0: tight. Yeah. Constricted. You yeah, know, sounds, I feel like I'm in a coffin. <laughs> Playfulness is not being restricted, it means you can look at anything. And ask yourself these two words, my favorite two-word combination in the English language. What if? It can lead you to ideas that start out funny, and in this case, blasphemous if you're Catholic like Lou is, but then become something else entirely. Like, what if you had an affair with your brother's wife, and she covers it up with a lie that saves not only you, but all of mankind? In this song which is the most unlikely and beautiful of love songs I've ever heard.
1: Immaculate conception, yeah right, crazy Mary, good that you lied, test to maybe, seed of the Lord, breaking the law with the man. Wonder, but you know he won't leave. Cause they all love you, I still do. Magic in the air, swirling all around you. a king for a stepson And we lost control. The oldest story never told. Crazy Mary are forever divine. They'll never know.
0: is produced and edited by Anson Mount and myself, Brandon Edgens. Theme music performed by Brandon Edgens based on a composition by Jonathan Meiberg. For more on all the music in this episode, please visit our website, thewellpod.com. Special thanks to Lou Barlow from the bottom of my heart for all of his music. And please leave us a review on iTunes, and while you're there, pick up some Lou Barlow records. And you know, before we sat down to do the interview... I told Lou I had a terrible headache and that I was having trouble operating my tape recorder. And he gave me some great advice that solved both problems.
1: But of course, it is impossible to press down the play button and the record button at the same time so that my sounds may be recorded while my buttons are not pressed by my own finger while I'm pressing it so they could record. One, two, one, two, three, four. Take an aspirin! Take an aspirin! Take an aspirin! Take an aspirin.